Peace be with you. Thank you for that. Today we are coming to Romans chapter 5, and it is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because when I read it a few years ago, it enlightened my mind, it encouraged my heart, and it just blessed me greatly. Um, before we get started in here, uh, allow me to prove to you that miracles still do happen um, because I am going to try to keep us on time today. I know Bob was sweating up there. He's like, man, this service has already gone long, and Bruce is preaching, and he likes to talk for an hour and uh, never likes to land the plane. And, uh, but I'm going to prove that maybe hopefully today the plane can land in a good record time. So with that being said, uh, let me read Romans chapter 5 for us. We're going to be in verses 12 through 21. <clears throat> Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because of sin, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned for Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass, For if many died through the one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound for many. And the free free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men." For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father, may your will be done for us. Jesus, may your word be proclaimed to us, and spirit, may your work be accomplished in us. Amen. Well, I would love to spend all day. We don't have all day. This is a a very theologically heavy passage, but I'm just going to uh, pretend I'm an eagle. I'm going to soar high. We're going to survey this real quick. I'm going to try to summarize it real briefly and get to some main clear points of this. There's two things I want you to realize, that there are two influencers that Paul is presenting to you, one Adam and one Christ, and as he's presenting these two influencers to the whole world, he is offering to you what their impact um, is. And so let's look at this first influencer, Adam. We are told right out of the gate, Adam's disobedience produced sin that led to condemnation, which resulted in death and spread to everyone. That's the summary of Adam. That's the influence of Adam. That is the impact of Adam. Let me read that again. Adam's disobedience produced sin. That sin led to condemnation. That condemnation resulted in death 
and that spreads to everyone. As federal head or representative of the human race, Adam's decision to disobey brought sin, which has genetically passed down to all of creation and embedded itself in their DNA. Imagine the impact of just this one act of disobedience, how sin affects the whole world for all time throughout all history. Sin is a disease that brings with it condemnation and death. The weight of it is more than anyone can bear. Many of us know the influence of sin upon our own lives, and it seems like a hopeless fate. Its power is heightened by its friend Satan and cannot be overcome by anything that humans possess. None born from Adam have been able to overcome death. Death spreads itself through everything and everyone. And here's a great illustration of the impact of Adam's disobedience um, that he has, and his impact upon the world. It's traced throughout all the scripture. This imagery and this understanding, the symbolism of death. For in Numbers 19.22 says this, Anything that the unclean person touches shall be unclean and the person who touches it shall be unclean until evening leviticus 7 21 says this when anyone touches anything unclean whether human whether human uncleanness or an unclean animal or any unclean detestable thing and eats of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings which belong to the lord that person shall be cut off from his people now, why am I reading that stuff is because what Adam did in his disobedience spreads through all of mankind and all the world, and it makes it completely unclean. So when one unclean thing touches something else, it makes it unclean, and it goes and spreads everywhere and everything. This is why when we talk about there was unclean animals and clean animals in the Old Testament, what distinguished them was their connection to the ground. You know, Adam disobeyed and the ground was cursed. All of creation was cursed. And so if there were animals that had flesh, paws or a split hoof where flesh could come in contact with the ground, then they were unclean. And if you were to touch that unclean thing, it spread to you. And so throughout the Old Testament, here's the idea. Death spreads to everyone. This is why when they came in contact with leopards, they were to stay away. And they, they were unclean, and then they had to wait to be made clean again after a period of time. This is a reoccurring thing throughout all the Old Testament. And just goes, in my opinion, to show that an illustration of just the undoing that Adam did. And I could sit here and we could talk about sin all day. We can talk about the result of sin and the impact it has over our lives and how we think, how we feel, how it has impacted our hearts, our minds, our whole physical bodies, and how we, we've, it affects our relationships and how it affects the world. We are riddled with sin. And like I've already said before, it, get, it seems like it's a hopeless thing that nobody has yet to overcome it, with the exception of one, but we'll get to him later. But nobody can do it. There's not one person that says, hey, sin had no bearing on me and death had no bearing on me because they're all dead. And they can't speak because they are riddled with sin, which comes from Adam. But you know this well, and I don't need to preach this point, and I don't need to talk much about Adam because I really want to get on to the best thing, and that is Christ. Here we go from moving from this one influencer 
impacted the world, and we all know his impact greatly, for it speaks to us, and it speaks to our friends, it speaks to our families, it speaks to our children, it speaks to our world. But now I want to pivot towards Christ. In Romans 15, Paul does this. He says, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by grace that the one man, Jesus Christ, abound for many. And so here's the better influencer, the second Adam. Christ's Christ's obedience produced righteousness that leads to justification, that is the payment for sin, resulting in life which spreads to those who receive the gift of grace of Jesus. There's a complete contrast, a complete undoing of everything, almost in a, and in a better way than what Adam did. And therefore, it's more powerful. See, what Adam's uh, impact caused for the world was cosmic treason against God. We rebelled and sin ensued because of our treason, because of his treason, and then leads us to be treasonous against God. But Christ, what he has done, offers us treasure. And that treasure produces in us the things that we cannot produce for ourselves. And these two treasures that Paul talks about in this passage are justification and Christ's righteousness. Justification is this idea that because of sin, the wages of sin is death. Let's just go through the Romans road real quick. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. So what happens is because of sin, debt needs to be paid if we're going to be justified. Christ says, I offer myself. I die, you're justified. Penalty is paid. But see, that's not enough to say that grace is more abundant. At that point, you just say, well, grace is on par. But he doesn't stop there. In a typical Christ-like Jesus fashion, he does more than is more exceedingly than we ever need. He just doesn't take care of the forgiveness of sins and brings our justification and balances the scales. No, he starts dumping out his righteousness and so he supersedes all that Adam has done. And that's why Paul is saying here, it is more abundant. And this is Christ's righteousness. The fact that Christ was obedient to death, who listened to the Father, who accomplished the Father's will, it affords us now more than we can ever spend in our account. This is often the illustration that I use when I talk about that not only is your bank account, your spiritual bank account, brought to a balance of zero, but now Christ pours all of his riches into your account and you can't even begin to spend it for all eternity. That's how exhaustive your account in Christ Jesus because of his righteousness is given to you. These are the treasures. The gift is more abundant. Another way I like to say this is the fact that Jesus doesn't just save you from sins. He does that and he does that very well. He saves you from your sins. You are forgiven. You're not identified by your sins anymore. You are, there is now no condemnation for you. You're saved and you're forgiven. But he just doesn't stop there. He just doesn't do that, although that's great and good enough. He takes us and he continues on and says, now you're saved to something. Life. 
and righteousness and holiness and sanctification. You are saved to a new creation, a new life. That's what Christ does for us. And that's why it supersedes all that Adam has done. And we have to pause and say, Adam has done quite a bit, and it has ruined a lot. It's very potent. The power of sin and death, no man can overcome. But Christ can, and only in Christ can it be more abundant. And it's because of these two things. Justification, the forgiveness of sins, the penalty is paid. And Christ's righteousness that affords you to live the life that God has always created you to live. And the best illustration for this, we see in Jesus' life, as we've already talked and looked at the Old Testament and how death spreads to all people and how even animals, it affects animals, that anybody who comes in contact with cursed things or unclean things, it spreads to them. Death spreads from one person to another, from one thing to another. We see the opposite in Christ happening. For when we see Jesus healing, when the hemorrhaging woman is reaching and crawling between all the people just to touch the hem of his garment, what happens? She's bleeding, she's unclean, and according to the Old Testament, her uncleanness is going to be spreading to Jesus if he, if he gets touched. But Jesus, because of his righteousness, which supersedes that of sin and death, what he says is, oh, you touch me, I make you clean. He reverses and does it even more exceedingly. And when he, when he heals leopards, same thing. You're not allowed to touch leopards. Their, their uncleanness is going to spread to you. Jesus says, no, I am the giver of all life. Death cannot overcome me. I overcome death, and I spread life to everything. Right. And you might think, well, that's good, but that's Jesus. That's the Son of God. Oh, do I have something to share with you? In Acts chapter 5. His disciples, given the very Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit to live in them, listen to this. And may this be the pure illustration of the life we live in Christ and its power over sin and death. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to the number. This is Acts 5, 14 through 16. <coughs> To such an extent that they were even they were carrying out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. Also, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick and afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were being healed. Did you catch that? Did you see what just happened there? That when Christ, he ascended into heaven, he sent his spirit, they flooded the disciples. Disciples are now going around, and like Jesus, healing the unclean, healing things just by their mere shadow. You want to tell me that sin and death is more powerful than that? No. Christ working, living inside of you and his righteousness giving in you has the power to start touching the areas of your life to make it clean and then you become the radiance of his glory and like more like Jesus and that as you walk, your shadow has the ability to produce life and spread life if you would just go and to people that are sick and lame and are needing healing. If you would go to the unclean and Christ uses you and Christ is in you, you can bring cleanliness and life to people who are dead. That's what God has employed you to do because he has made you a new creation. So let's compare these two things. 
through Adam's disobedience, we were made sinners. Through Christ's obedience, we were made righteous. Through Adam's death, uh, through Adam, death rules us. Through Christ, life rules in us. Through Adam, we are sick. Through Christ, we are healed. Through Adam, we are slaves. Through Christ, we are free. Through Adam, we, are, we have debt. Through Christ, we have more than we can ever spend. Through Adam, though we live, we die. Through Christ, though we die, we live forever. Though, through Adam, we live in the wilderness. Through Christ, we live in a kingdom. A church father says this, and yet sin and grace are no equivalents. Death and life are no equivalents. The devil and God are no equivalents. But there is a boundless space between them. The treasures of Christ vanquish the treason of Adam. And to grace goes the victory over sin. With one act of Adam, our plight seems sealed. To die in death and no hope to heal. But one act of Christ and all has been undone. Because the Father loves his one and only Son. And all who believe and hide in Christ will be given power over sin and find new life. For the effects of grace are greater still than the sins of man that the law has revealed. So what should this cause us to do? How can we respond to such a blessing, such a treasure that is in Christ? Here is where I think the rubber meets the road for us. One is that we have a great, good, and gracious God who loves us so much that it is said of him, to him who is able to do far abundantly beyond all we can ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. This bring you to worship the one true God who is above all and, and is more exceedingly than anything else in our lives. And yet some of you still cling to the lesser things. Come and worship the one true God and experience this power of life that you can have. That is appropriate response. This conjures up within us and stirs us up a deep love and respect and brings honor and glory to God himself for the great things that he has done for us. Not only does it reveal to us how great God is and, and how it stirs us up to love him more, Secondly, it gives hope to a sinner because it gives them and offers them a clean slate. It provides for them the opportunity to not be defined by their past mistakes. Like I've already mentioned, Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Have you ever been laying in your bed? Have you ever been in the darkness realizing that you've just made horrific decisions and mistakes in your own life that you feel the gravity and the weight of your sin and you just wish that you can escape it, but it's enslaving. Have you been brought to that point? Then hear the good news that in Jesus Christ, you can be free from it and you will not be defined by it no more. Don't worry about them out there. Worry about what your father says about you, that you're no longer a slave, but you're his son. That's the reality. That the men at Shepherd's Fold are not sex offenders. 
They're not felons. They're those who believe in Jesus Christ. They are the very sons of God. No, you might condemn them. But last time I checked, you don't have a judgment seat to sit on. If it's good enough for King Jesus, it's good enough for us. But lastly, not only does this show how great God is, not only does it give to the sinner, but it gives a fuller life to those who believe. And this is what I mean. Many believers don't always live into the fullness of the treasures that Christ is offering. They are so blessed with having a clean slate that that their sins have been forgiven, that they never move on to experience the other treasures that Christ has for them. You've discovered that the bus you've been riding dropped you off at the corner of justification. It was there that you sit on the bench and you're so thankful for what you've been given. They don't even realize that there is another bus that you should be taking until that bus shows up with holiness as its destination. Many of you have not moved towards pursuing a life of holiness, pursuing a life that looks like Jesus, pursuing the living out the Christ righteousness that he has given to you freely as a gift. Ephesians 2 says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, the new things come. Christ's righteousness imputed to us works in us and it works through us to bring life that looks like the righteousness of Christ. You see how that works? Do you see the impact of the treasures of Christ? Don't just cling to his justification, his death. Cling to his life. He went down. We just confessed it in the Apostles' Creed. He died on the cross, was buried, and up from the grave he arose. Why don't we cling to that? Many of you live like his death is good enough and that's all that needed to happen. Live into the fullness. He gives us the fullness for everyone who believes of a life that doesn't have to be defined by sin, doesn't have to continue to live in sin, but it can begin to progress towards holiness and righteousness because that's the life that he offers you and and imputes to you his own righteousness. And as many of you know, this is my testimony. I don't stand up here parading or preaching to you as if one who has uh, been able to do these things on my own. I know what it's like to be sitting on that bench completely satisfied with receiving my justification, with receiving the forgiveness of sins. I've done that. And it wasn't until just the last few years of my life that I had to experience that other bus that I'm meant to be taking. 
and I've taken that bus, and I'm riding on it. And I'm encouraging you that if you've been sitting on that bench to ride that bus and journey with Christ towards holiness, for Christ's righteousness given to us as a gift is why Christ can look at the woman at the well and all her sin and say, go and sin no more. I have given you a gift of my righteousness, and it's going to work great things in your life if you believe and walk in them. This is why Peter says to the church, be holy, for God is holy. Because of the treasures that Christ has given to you by his grace. And so allow me to close here. You're welcome, Bob. My testimony of how grace is greater than all my sin. My testimony begins in a dark and scary place, in jail, on a bed, with tears on my face. Who am I that God would be mindful of me? A sinner, a rebel, one who bears a felony. How is it that a felon can succeed? How can a slave to sin be freed? For I do not deserve what God has freely given, forgiveness, life, and sanctification. Yet here I am, living a new life, I can confess. Amazed at how God turned my ruin into his success, I have been transformed by the power of God's grace, and there is not one part of my life that it will waste I pray that Christ's righteousness in me will be brought to completion. Until it does, this is what I'll be preaching. When you think in your life that all is forsaken, pray to God to restore the years the locusts have taken. For God's grace has been greatly revealed, and God's grace is greater still. You've heard it from God's word of what he's offering to you. He's offering you a power that supersedes everything that your life has been about. A power that can overcome the sin, condemnation, and death that you experience. He offers it in his son, Jesus Christ. For those who are in sin, Repent, confess, and receive and believe in Jesus Christ. For those who believe in Jesus Christ, get off the bench. Get on the bus. Pursue holiness and righteousness by the power of Christ's righteousness working in and through you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Thank you for undoing all that Adam did. Thank you for the gifts that you extend to us because you're just a a gracious, loving, and kind God. And I pray, Jesus, that your word about you today would go into the hearts and ears and minds of those who who will receive it. I pray that those who you are causing to be born again will be made alive and to live a life that looks like yours. May we worship you, for you are great. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.